What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio. Episode 49 is still coming to you hot and heavy here on this beautiful Tuesday morning. Uh, today, we got a few fun things lined up for you. Uh, at first, uh, with our current events, oh, I do give a little uh, Kentucky Derby recap. Uh, I was at the Derby this weekend. That's a big reunion of, of my buddies and I. Uh, but then talk about, it's called Inspired Touch, the article read from uh, The Guardian about a group of blind women. So this uh, lady, uh, Francia lost her uh, sight at age 20 or 36, excuse me, and now uses her hands to detect early signs of breast cancer within women and is now in a clinic with other women who do the exact same thing. Uh, they have a better rate than doctors on finding some of these early uh, early symptoms. Uh, so we do get into that. Tim, what else? Yeah, so there's a school in Northern Philadelphia that is teaching students how to be millionaires in an area where not even adults have bank accounts. So I thought it was really cool. A teacher there has revamped this program that teaches budgeting saving he's creating jobs for kids in this school teaching them how to make money save money and i think more schools we need to be doing this we discussed that we also talk about salesforce ceo mark benioff so he has a lot of money he's a very rich guy decided to give 30 million to a very serious problem in our world homelessness so we talk about that we give our thoughts on why homelessness exists, some things we can do to fix it. A very, very interesting topic. Um, I see homelessness a lot in Indianapolis, so it's yes. a very, very, it's a topic that I think about daily because I see it all the time. So we get into that. It's a cool section. Slayer, what do we get into in real life experience? Yeah, so our RLEs in this show. Uh, last Tuesday, I talked a bit about uh, some self-love and self-forgiveness, kind of dealing with some of my own, my own things going on. So... Uh, since we're about being transparent on the show, uh, you know we don't just promote the good things. So I kind of talk uh, about something I've heard from people that I've sought advice of, of being still, and you know how hard that can be in some scenarios when, when you think your uh, the weight of your mistakes is, is beyond uh, your control anymore, and trying to be still is really a tough challenge. So I, I get. Uh, get some of uh, some of Tim's feedback on that as well, and how things have gone in in his current relationship. So we do get get a little personal here on this one today too. Mm-hmm. Tim, uh, what's your RLE? I know last time we had uh, geese putting the fear of God in you. What uh, what do we got this week? Yeah, so my sales job has been the toughest job I've ever had, also the most rewarding, and I've learned the most from this job. And it, one of the biggest things is getting people to trust me, trust my company, invest money in my company, and building that trust after just meeting them a couple days later. So I talk about things that I can do to make people more trustworthy in my company, showing them first, telling them later. I give a story about how I did that. Slager, what do we do in Book Talk? Book Talk, we get a little nerdy with it, like always. Uh, I get into small stuff. So one, develop your own helping rituals. So if you want your life to stand for peace and kindness, you need some helpful rituals, and we get into a few examples there. Uh, The other one, every day, tell at least one person something you like, admire, or appreciate about them. It can be as simple as, hey, thanks for holding the door for me, thanks for doing the dishes today, or it can be like, hey, I really appreciate you just letting me vent. So, So tell someone something you like, you admire, you appreciate, just make it routine. 
Tim, how about your book talk today? Yeah, so I read an awesome article in Harvard Business Review, um, the debate between learning from people in a one-versus-one setting or learning in the classroom setting. We talk about the advantages of each, which one each of us prefer, and the effectiveness of what I think is the better option. So if you guys ever get a chance, you should have a chance. It takes 30 seconds. Go to our Instagram bio, click the link, go leave us a review on iTunes, uh, tell us that you did it and we'll give you a free laptop sticker we need to get better with your guys's input we value it all so if you ever have a chance go do that i hope you guys enjoyed this episode episode 49Yeah, so we just got off a cool dinner with uh james mcknight one of our first 10 episodes i think it's maybe episode nine what a stud yeah doesn't matter go find jim mcknight phenomenal mm-hmm. episode yeah the the biggest thing i took from his interview and what we're trying to Im- implement with this podcast is always just ask someone to go have lunch with them yeah just go go increase your rolodex of network contacts go learn from people that's what we're doing with this podcast we're reaching out to anybody and everybody yeah and we're learning we're asking good questions and we're learning and you never know what type of information or resources you'll need down the road and if you have a, net, a rolodex of contacts absolutely so build the Rolodex. Yeah. Not your your contact book. Not your address book. Uh-huh. Not your phone, your Rolodex. Yeah. Not your little black book, your Rolodex. Mm-hmm. The Rolodex. The Rolodex of networking contacts. You know what it's all about? Hmm. The Rolodex. Facts, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that that was good. Uh good time. Uh chowing with him and shooting it and uh yeah, it was nice to just catch up, too. And he was just genuinely interested where we were, what we were doing, how we were doing it. And, you know, we asked him for some advice on things. And, you know, he, what I love about him is if he's not sure or he's not the best guy to ask, uh, we still shoot it just like, like friends. And then he gives us a few names. Say, But reach out to so-and-so. She she or he is doing such-and-such, XYZ, and, and they know more about this because they've done this. So, he, like, if he doesn't know, he'll connect us. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, that's someone who's still looking out for us. Like, I don't know the best answer to your question, but I have someone who might have a better answer than what I can provide. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, he just trying to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, that, yeah, super fun, fun time hanging out with him. We definitely got to have him on again soon, but. Yeah, if we can. Yeah, I love hanging out with Jim. For sure. Good dude. His class was hard, but. Yeah. Those are the ones you learn the most in, though. Yeah, no the shit. Ones that are, if, the, if it's easy, it's not a really good class, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, same thing with, like, Doc McGowan. His class was harder than hell. Mm-hmm. Man. Didn't get close to an A. No, my first being college, right, <laughs> rightfully so. I learned, I learned, I learned the most. Yeah. Oh, makes you. I think. wasn't even mad about it. Yeah. Oh, because the way you learn how to think. Mm-hmm. But uh, also a great interview. Shameless plugs on prior episodes. Yeah. Oopsie. <laughs> All right, so we got some yeah. dope current events today. Yeah. Oh, got I did some... come back from the Derby. I didn't do that. I was at the Kentucky Derby. Do you remember any of it? Yes, I do, because it was right. wet Good. again. Four for four I've been to, poured. I mean, we had less rain time this year than last year. But damn it, man. What's it going to take? 
Like, it's May. Give me some sun. And it's like, not that anyone said this over the weekend, but it's, it's funny. Like, I've had other people say, ah, I think the Kentucky Derby is better than any 500. Well, one, it's so different. You can't really compare apples to apples. But on the other side of the coin, knock on wood, Indy 500 hasn't rained on me the last four years. Just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. And both infields <clears throat> like to get down. Don't think one's fancier. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that? Huh? Is I, uh, my, part of my sales territory is Speedway, Indiana Speedway area. Uh-huh. And you have, you have the stadium, but you have like a strip like right next to the stadium with all these like restaurants, shops. And it's so interesting that the like this month of the year is like the Christmas for these restaurants because this is where they get the most foot traffic from all these sure. people coming for the race. It's really cool to see because I was cold calling there the other day and talking to business owners along the street. It's so cool to see like the excitement in their eye, knowing like how special of a time of year this is. Uh-huh. Just the business impact of the Indy 500 on the surrounding businesses, and yeah, and I'm I'm trying to schedule meetings with them. They're like. Talk to me in June. This is this is race month. I'm like, oh, I completely really? understand. I, I even think about that because yeah, they're they got they have this is the biggest month of the year for them. Yeah, it's just crazy to see just the the types of like the timing for different businesses. What's the most exciting time of the year and how everyone has their own like special month of the year depending on what they do and it's kind of cool. Huh? Have you had any other of those where it's like talk to me after this time and you didn't know that for them that was a big deal. Well, it's all for people like like human resources people or people who are like the accounting purchasing mm-hmm. arm of their company. You don't want to talk to them at the end of March, June, September, or December because those are the quarter close months. Gotcha. It's like financial reporting. Some, yeah. Something to keep in mind. Uh, obviously, like the, the restaurants, you, want, you don't want to stop in between 11 and 1. You want to talk to them between 2 and 4. One mm-hmm. thing I realized is... Uh, on average, like m- people are most receptive to cold calls on Tuesdays and Thursdays between three and five p.m. Interesting. Yeah. Really. Did some research on it. I was doing some reading the other night, and this company did like a research of over like thirty thousand companies, thirty thousand data points, and realized that's the best time to. Because you've talked about the post lunch mm-hmm. is very receptive. Yeah. Why not? I mean, I guess you could you could play this against both ways but morning i feel like a lot of people are fresh they get their coffee you know they're they're feeling really productive or is that yeah that's gonna the thing. actually you, warrant you, the opposite yeah you just said it they're trying to be productive they're trying to get things done in the morning most meetings are scheduled on average in the morning okay. i would say and just if you're comparing the morning to the afternoon people are a lot more receptive to ideas after they've eaten it was funny i uh Six months ago, I stopped into this auto repair shop and this business owner, it was like, I remember it was a morning stop and I was like, oh, are you guys satisfied with your service? He's like, we're good. He like shooed me out. He like, it was, huh. it was one of those quick cold calls. But today I stopped in at like 1230. Same said, one? Yeah. Same, same one. I, I like to stop in every six months to a place just to okay. see how service yeah. is going. Uh, and he was sitting there at his desk eating lunch and he was a completely different person. Huh. Same answer. He's like, oh, we're good. Our, our service is good. I had the same approach, but he was a lot more friendlier. It's just amazing, like what lunch and food does to someone. Get in my belly. Yeah. So, but yeah, dude, I'm excited for you to go to the Indy 500. That'll be that'll be good. Uh, yeah, man. You I and get, your brother. Yeah, I get to go with him. Uh, yeah, so I bought him uh, Rogan tickets for June for his birthday. Uh, 
which was back in March, you know, because I was going to give him Dave Matthews tickets. He loves Dave. Like, I like Dave Matthews. My brother loves Dave Matthews. And so I was going to get him tickets for when Dave was here in Noblesville. And so I was like, he knew what I was asking for, but I was like, hey, uh, this is when he was still in Europe. Do you have any other, like, concerts planned here in the States as of yet? He goes, no, I don't think so. I'm like, all right, cool. He's like, wow. I was like, no, that's all I needed to know. And uh, he texts me, like, maybe a few minutes later. I'm looking at Dave tickets. Like, I'm about to buy these things. And he texts me again. He goes, I do have a music fest uh, the same weekend Dave is in Noblesville, if that's why you're asking. I was like, son of a bitch. Yes, that's exactly why I'm asking. And, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten him, like, vinyl records and stuff. We both love vinyls. And I was like, man, I want to get him something different, like something out there that I haven't done. I don't want to be the predictable gift giver to anyone, you know. I don't, I don't want to be, oh, it's probably just this. Uh, so I kept my finger on the pulse on Joe Rogan's tour dates because I saw them start to get released slowly over time. And I saw Chicago go live. And I was like, fuck, I'm not letting this sell out this year. And so I was like, hey, you got plans for this weekend in June? I just told him straight up, like, I'm going to get Rogan tickets if you're available. He goes, dude, I'm down. So I bought Rogan tickets, and then I wasn't going to go to the race. And he goes, hey, if you magically showed up with a snake pit ticket, would you go? I was like, yeah, man. It's not usually my scene. Like, you know, if crowd of people or the the type of music all the time. But I looked at the lineup, and I'm a fan of a few of the artists. And he's like, no, it's not like super in your face. I hang back on the little hill. Like, we'll have a good time. I was like, all right, let's do it. So going to have a... A nice, nice round of experiences with yeah. with my brother. So it'll be fun. Good. Yeah. But uh, current events. Yeah. So pretty cool story. I was reading an article on Market Watch. So there's a school in northern Philadelphia, uh, in an area that's really bad. Like the school is teaching students how to be millionaires, and teach them how to be smart with money and to earn money and to be entrepreneurs in an area of Philadelphia where. A lot of these kids' parents and a lot of adults don't even have bank accounts. So taking a very troubled area, implementing a really cool program. So it's called Only Charter School in Northern Philadelphia. Dan LaSalle, who, is, who was an English teacher but is now the assistant principal, started a personal finance program that teaches not only budgeting, saving, and investing, but also gives students the ability to make 5000 per year and put it in a bank account of their own. Man, why didn't I go to this school? Yeah, so it's really, it's really awesome. So it's it was started in like 2015, and 30 students were originally enrolled, and by the end of the year, 81 students were enrolled. And this guy received a grant from Philadelphia Academy of School Leaders, uh, implemented this finance curriculum, and got anonymous donors and fundraising, including former NBA player Troy Murphy. Um, and pretty much, so students can take three personal finance classes within this program. Um, they can work few or as many hours within the school to earn money, and they can earn between uh, $50 to $5,000 during the school year, ranging from teaching, tutoring other students, running clubs, some that they even started themselves. Like you got students starting like a creative writing group, debate club, and it te- like this program is so cool because students learn the concept of earning money, learn the concept of starting something that they care about in a club. And it teaches them how to be smart with money. Like he, this guy, he, he said he called all these banks because he was trying to open like a, a savings account 
for these students to like pool their money and, and open bank accounts with, and mm-hmm. they did it with Wells Fargo because that was the only bank that called him back. But pretty much, he's t- teaching them how to save ten to twenty percent of their income, spend frugally, and even invest in low cost exchange traded funds. Like he's learned, he's teaching students like things that people don't even really learn or apply or put into practice until they're like in college or like really nipping the curve on this. And I think it was really cool to do that in an area where these kids are growing up in an, in a family that would have never even taught them that, that. Well, just on that alone, you hear in, in schools about how if you start saving the same amount of money three years before you actually did it, you have exponentially higher savings for retirement. Mm-hmm. Exponentially higher. Yeah. So that alone, say you just, say you make like $300 in a school year. You stash 100 of that. You start doing that regularly and you're in, you're in like middle school. By the time you're out of college, you're, you're going to be so wealthy. Yeah. You're going to have so much saved up. Mm-hmm. Like that's wealth. Yeah. That's wealth. That's money working for you. Having cash. Yeah, because there's a difference of putting, just saving money, putting in a bank account, just sitting there. And there's a difference between putting it in like a, a finance vehicle that grows. From which the time you which put it, it in. sounds like they're learning how to do all the above. Yeah, like he's just, this man, like I, I, I told you off, off, uh, off air. We're trying, <gasps> Top I, secret. I, I want to get this guy on our podcast, Dan LaSalle. I think that'd be awesome. Let's get it, Dan. And, and my question is, why aren't all, like, why aren't all schools doing this? Like he got a $15,000 grant. I mean, it doesn't have to be that much, but like, if we can implement more things like this, think how much better the world's gonna be. <laughs> All right, I, I'm gonna have a few maybe third rail theories for you here on why we don't do more of this. Okay. Uh, one, um, this is very entrepreneurial oriented. I think I said that altogether mm-hmm. correctly. Anyway, uh, and. I don't think within school systems, now I've only been in a handful of them, but outside looking in, it doesn't seem that they really push to go create. You know, there are programs, there's entrepreneurial programs within schools, but especially this young to where here's someone who's taking the advantage of, okay, I spend more time with these kids than their parents do. Mm -hmm. This is not a good area. They will not thrive. Mm-hmm. They will not learn this unless someone like me teaches them, and there are very few like me. So one, you have just a unique individual who's in a position to be able to do this. It also doesn't fit a narrative to where uh, we need someone else in government to where we depend on the government. This goes against any universal base income. This goes against so- uh, socialism. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it goes against... Anyone who wants free market, like those are all the things that we're hating right now as a society. And, and this is very different and against the grain. People nowadays, they don't like things going against the grain. Mm-hmm. Think about just a disagreement in, in a conversation. No one likes that shit anymore. Let's bring the fucking heat, dude. Let's, let's disagree on some things, you know? Um, so I think there's a few different things going on there. You know, it's, it's having the person who's willing to do that. That's a lot of extra work. You got to reach out. You got to get money. You got to explain what they're doing and why. You got to give it to the school board. You got to make sure they approve. And I don't know if you have to make sure the state 
approves. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how much back end work was done just to get what you said, fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I don't know how much work was done just to get fifteen thousand dollars in this kind of trouble area. Yeah, I want to know how that how that went down from him creating this idea to him framing it in a way that he can persuade other people to get behind it. That's, but, that's why I want to bring them all. <laughs> yeah, I agree, and 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 I'm glad that there's you know people out there that want to teach others to fend for themselves mm-hmm. and not rely on someone else or the world to do it for them because it won't happen. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. also that, and there, there's a lot going against that right now. Uh, I mean, look, schools are more worried about kicking off student-run organizations, like, like we talked about Texas State and Turning Point USA. Schools are more worried about that. That's in college rather than helping people set up their finances. How about you worry people with, hey, if you don't do this, by the time you're 65 and ready to retire, you're still living paycheck to paycheck. I think that's a bigger issue than, than Turning Point USA on a, on a campus. Yeah. So it's like shit like that. Think about what we're really focusing on, what media is really focusing on. You don't see this getting blown up in the news. Why isn't CNN covering this? Where students using meditation instead of uh, detention. Mm-hmm. Why isn't that covered? That should be headline news. That's training you how to be a better human. Yeah. Let's start doing more of that. Same thing here. These people, now these people that learn this can teach how, how many other people the same thing. Yeah. We're so fixed on the rules and, and what's been passed down on generations on generations with like state standards. And we're not strengthening the areas of health, wealth, love, and happiness. Yeah. We're not, said it better. We're, not, we're not tapping into those four things that make a human being a human being. And you know what? Let, standards let's... are good. We talk to Barky. It's, it's important to a degree. But like we need to tap into the things that make people like human and are going to make people happy. And are going to make people use their time and resources to create happiness for themselves and the generations after them. Yeah, let's let's check on the state of this uh, city economy and school in 15 years. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens in 15 yeah. years from now. So in 2012, the school had a 50% graduation rate. This year it'll be 70%. So the fact that it's jumped that high. There you go. Keep it up. There you go. But I be you know once these kids are a few years out of college, that's why I say 15 years. Let's let's see what they do, and see what happens to this city and the mm-hmm. school. And probably before that, if enough people catch wind of this. That's the thing. Put this on, on news. How much more money are you going to get? Everyone wants to tax the rich and give to the poor. Let's start with doing shit like this, where people are taught how to do things with that money. You don't just try to throw money at every single problem. See a big change. Mm-hmm. I like this. Good find, dude. Thank you. That's, uh, you're getting some unique ones within the school system, and I dig it. Yeah, I'm, I've been trying to look more like things that are going to improve the young minds of our, of our communities. Because it all starts there. Yeah, man. Yeah. But. All right, what do you got, man? Uh, yeah, man. So this is, uh, this caught my attention. Uh, I almost said caught my eye, for lack of a better pun. You'll find out why. Uh, talks about in Cali, Colombia. Uh, this lady, her name is Francia Papa Mia, I don't want to mispronounce that. P A P A M I J A. Uh, she lost complete sight uh, at age 36 due to retinal detachment. And so, what she does, uh, she's got this clinic 
to where uh, blind people, they, in, in my profession, we call it palpate, to where you use your hands and you feel through skin and muscle and, and ligament, and, uh, and they feel for the potential for uh, breast cancer. So they're, they're out to find early detection of breast cancer with touch. And from the article, this is from The Guardian, uh, apparently visually impaired women can detect about 30% more tissue alterations than doctors. Yeah, 30% more tissue alterations Why do you, why do you think that is? than doctors. Uh, I, th- I think to a certain extent, uh, touch is true. Uh, it was the same when, when I worked construction back in the day to where you know, we, we didn't really wear gloves because your hands are true. You, know, you, you can feel and there's nothing foreign in the way of what you're feeling. Is it not as safe? You can argue that all day long. And with something like this, touch really is but, a way better indicator than sight. Well... Right? Because their touch was enhanced based off losing their sight. Because they're focusing more of their knowledge and concentration into that touch. Yeah, so they'll do strips. They put on strips of braille on these people where they're going to, like, they know where they're going to feel. Like from neck uh, to the breast to other parts of the body. And so then they can properly mark where they feel something that should be checked out. So then they will refer them to maybe another clinic, another doctor, further testing. But they can find earlier detection because wow. of their heightened sense of touch. Hmm. But on these Braille strips, they'll mark where it needs to be looked at, and it said they go centimeter by centimeter. Like, nothing is skipped. Hmm. Like, it's not a quick... I guess each one takes about 45 minutes. Like, it's not a five-minute in and out. All right, here's your results. So it's very methodical, very meticulous. I just thought it was interesting that they make the notion blind people are detecting more than what doctors can do. Now, I didn't, that's what I read. I didn't look deeper into see is that compared to a regular doctor's palpation where they're, they're just using hand, but they also have their vision. Or is this against machine? You know, is this against a, an x-ray, an MRI? Can they find earlier detection than that? That's, one so thing, it's human versus machine argument? I don't know. That's what That's I'm what saying. Trying, That's yeah, what I'm okay. saying. I did not look further for deeper research huh. to see if this is when they say uh, visually impaired women can detect about 30% more tissue alterations than doctors. Is that hand-for-hand touch where a doctor can see, this lady can't, and they each feel, and then you get better results from Francia? Or is this based in general? Like if you have a machine, whatever, but I can physically feel earlier detection i don't know stats don't lie i guess but it's but the fact like look i would hope that you wouldn't use something like this unless it really worked and was helping people yeah that's like man what kind of gift is that mm-hmm. she she's uh sorry she sees uh 10 patients a day so it's Blind people putting in over ten hour shifts at work. Yeah, I'd like to know the the background information behind that. Thirty percent more. Like how many how many blind people did they go and poll and, and see? Uh I didn't see the number of blind people they had. I did see that training takes nine months hmm. with what they do. So training training is nine months okay. long. Okay. 
That's interesting. So yeah, that was from the Guardian. I'm sure everyone and their mother has, uh, you know, a, an article on this. But yeah, if if anything surfaces for the listeners to where if it was based against machine or hand versus hand, uh, let us know. Um, I know we we go through a lot. We try to get back to some things, uh, but we can't get back to it all. So if there's something that jumps out, let us know. We'll uh, we'll address it for sure. So. Yeah, I just, man, I thought it was so wild. And it's like, is this the start of more countries looking at alternative medicine before going to the traditional route? Like, we have all these tests. And I don't know what kind of resources. I've not been to Cali, Colombia. I don't know what kind of resources, facilities they have. But it's like, if you have x-rays, MRIs, all this... There's got to be something different going on to where you're using blind people instead. So and it's not a matter of like them, like blind people detecting it more. It's just they detect it earlier. Is that the... Is yes. That, yeah. So they can feel tissue better and in different ways um, to detect that tissue alteration to where it shows this could be an early sign of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And then once they detect that, where do they go? Then they refer them to the doctor? Yeah. Yeah, so if, I mean, if there's something for if there's something that they think needs to get checked out, they will then refer them. Yeah, no, I, I think you'll see a lot more people going. I mean, going to the, I mean, they wanted to check it as soon as possible. So I feel like people are always looking out for their best interest. So I do, I do think this will become a regular thing. Yeah, probably it easier if it to hasn't get into. Already. Yeah, and more yeah. affordable. For sure. And it's just another. I just, I just, I like the, just the idea behind it that someone who who had a whole part of their life taken away from them and vision using taking that and under the circumstances making a huge difference in the world because because of that talk about servitude yeah to the nth degree like i'm sure there's a lot of people who would lose their sight and be like dude why me i'm sure i know for a fact there'd be a at least a good duration of time where that'd be me i'd be like my sight man Mm mm-hmm but this lady lost it at 36. So, like, she had seen the world. Mm-hmm. You know, she knows what shit looks like. Which is just like, man, I couldn't imagine. But what what a way to turn that around and just, like, now you... How much you give to other people. Mm-hmm. Like, see, I'd like to see... And this is uh, me just wanting to be curious. You know, this is not the humble side. But I'm interested to see how many people she's sent further to where it's like, hey... If you wouldn't have caught this this early, it might not have had this good of an ending. Mm-hmm. Like, how many lives has she saved? How many moms, sisters, girlfriends, fiancés? You know, and same, boyfriends, husbands, fathers. Crazy. So yeah. good, good for find. Francia, man. Great find. Love you, Francia. So that's uh, that. That was my current event. I was just like, man, that's a powerful one. Just mm-hmm. it's subtle and it it was effective. Like let's we need to promote that good stuff. Yeah. That good juju. You got anything else? Yeah, I got something quick that I want to just run through really quick. Something and then, quick. and then, and I want to ask you a like a, a creative question from this. So Ooh, okay. Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff and I apologize if I mispronounce that. Mispronounce that. Um, him and his wife. So this guy's got a lot of money. He's worth. I mean, he's definitely a billionaire. Uh, so he decided to take thirty million of his money 
and donate it to study homelessness. And so what he did is it's called the Benioff Homelessness and Housing Initiative. So he's giving all this money to the University of California, San Francisco toward initiatives to identify the root cause and find evidence-based solutions on how to end homelessness. So he's going to pay this out for the next five years. It's going to create a resource for policymakers and community leaders around the country to address homelessness. And he kind of wants this center to be kind of the North Star for the truth on homelessness. He wants like the latest research, uh, data, and evidence-based solutions to do this. And he wants like regular meetings between academic experts and people who have personally experienced homelessness themselves to truly like understand like how it came about, what caused it. And like people are saying like, we have like a lot of information on how to end homelessness and we know how to do it, but that knowledge really, it's, it's not really communicated to the actual decision makers who can, who have the power to allocate that money, if that makes sense. So I think what he wants to do is he So is this to, money to help implement these strategies if they already have them? Yeah, I mean, it, it's to create the center to, for people to, to brainstorm and connect people who haven't been connected before. Hmm. So I think it's going behind the research behind it, the, the, the efforts to go get the data, even though we already have it, it sounds like, but I think it's, it's going to really go deep and get every, scratch all the surface on what we need to know. Hmm. Um, and I thought, I, I thought it was interesting. And I wanted to ask you, like obviously, what your opinion is on it, but I want to ask you, like, what, if you were the homelessness person who was in charge of this project, what, what's the first thing that you would do to end homelessness what, what do you think what, what do you think we need to do to do that or the step first step towards at least chipping away at it well let's start with one of the issues they have they don't get to decision makers mm-hmm. so if i'm if i'm the head of this you know this foundation to where it, you know i have contact with the ceo of salesforce who started this shindig it's like look man the money helps our problem is implementation mm-hmm Connect us to the people who can make this happen. Yeah, Money's great, thank you. But we need to get in front of some faces too. Mm-hmm. It's like make the connections happen to where we can really put something in place in a city, test try it, and go from there. Yeah. Um, so that, that'd be the first thing. Uh, I'd like to see what kind of info they have. I'm sure there's things on on upbringing, education of parents, the education opportunities of the person who was homeless. Uh, you know, so many factors, I think, go into it. Drugs. Drugs, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we can go through a list till we're blue in the face. Yeah. Uh, so I, w- I would just like to make sure that the money is really getting utilized to its fullest potential, not just furthering the research we already have. Like I said, you know, maybe it can go towards new homeless facilities or upgrades in certain areas. Nice it up a bit. Have a little better food. I don't know. Uh, or or maybe maybe start a program to where it's like, okay, you know, this is maybe each new shelter has uh, a spot where you get a, a shave, a haircut, and a fresh suit all on them. Mm-hmm. You know, teach them a few skills, interview skills to where they can get, you know, 40, 50,000 dollar paying job at an entry level something yeah where they can live a life i yeah i think it's you said it, i think it's all about creating jobs that, that whatever that's where we i can, would start whatever we can do to, uh, there's got to be things out there that 
people just don't want to do. There, I mean, there's different ways we can make our earth better. There's, there's, diff- there's things that we can find that homeless people could do to over time let them make money mm-hmm. to the point where maybe they can finally pay for a house or have subsidized housing yeah. or for more affordable for people like that. But I think it really, it really does. I think where it comes from is the, the upbringing, but just, just the drug. I think the drugs is something that's completely overlooked because once someone gets hooked on drugs, there's, an, I, I feel like they get to a point where they're just swallowed up by it, and there's, no, their, their brain's so messed up that they don't even have the ability to like. They're not, they're at that point, they're just rewired to a point where they can't think logically to do that for themselves. Yeah, like I, it. It's just sad too, because like driving driving through town, like when you see homeless people, like especially like when I drive by on Thirty Eighth Street, like a lot of those people, you can just you can just tell like the drugs are just rampant around there, mm-hmm. and people are on drugs, and you just see people just talking talking to the air, like people are just on drugs everywhere. And I, it just I think that's where where it all starts from, and I and that goes back to like how do we prevent drugs from being in these communities? But at the same time, that's how people in these communities make money is by selling drugs. So it's just like, it's interesting how like the root problem of it, I think is drugs, but that's also like a whole entrepreneurial niche in these areas. So I I just think it's an interesting way of looking at it. Do do you give money to homeless? I mean, I feel like, I feel like you have to, but it comes at a, I mean, it just comes at a price because like, what are these people going to end up spending that money on? Yeah, because there's (laughs) the few that ruin it for everybody. You know, the bad few that are, you know, the seed, but... You got the select group that eventually sees the light and sees that glimmer of, hey, like, this is, I'm able to escape from this. Yeah. But, like, the other people, it's just going to, I don't know. Man, I, I forget if I read it or I heard it, but I've really been wanting to try it next time I'm, like, walking somewhere to where I can stop. And, oh, this is going to bother me. It'll come back. But what this person said was, go change what the homeless person sign says. So if it says anything will help or will work for such and such, change it to if you've already given today, think about me tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That's a very different yeah. res- response in the brain than, hey, any little bit helps. <sighs> Sorry, man, I don't have anything. It's like, hey, if you've already given today, think of me tomorrow. And I really... I haven't helped anyone out today. You know, man, I got I got a few bucks here. Like, you know, I got that granola bar in the back. I'm on my way home for dinner. I don't really need to eat that. You know, and I'll give them a food and a buck or two. It's like, but that's a completely different mind shift. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't want to mess with like a homeless person's sign, but I'm like, ah, I know what I'd write. Can I try this for you? I okay. So, say if you're a business investor and you're trying to decide whether to give someone money. Mm-hmm. You want to know where that money's going, right? Like, you, like, where's my money going to be going? I'm making an investment in you. I'm making an investment in your company. So I think an effective tactic would be like, be transparent if you're a homeless person. Be like, I'm going to save a little bit of this money. I'm going to use this money for food so that I can make, so I can give myself energy to go learn more. Whatever, like, I feel like you can get more creative as to, I think one thing that, if I want to be fully transparent, I've given money to homeless people here and there, but part of me like just doesn't, now because i just assume the worst and i and i think oh they're just gonna use it to buy drugs well that's just my that's what i assume and maybe i'm wrong but that's just how i look at it like why would i make an investment in someone who's gonna use it for drugs but yeah 
I don't know. You don't know. It's unfair for me to make that judgment, but right. I just go off the statistics. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's hard not to. Um, or that person's going to use it for food so that they don't have to use that money to buy drugs. Yeah, it's like, look, I'll, I don't I'll know. buy you all, everyone on the block, I'll buy you all food, man. Let's go. Let's have a party at Mickey D's. I'll buy whatever you want. You know, I'm with you. I don't I don't always give money. Mm-hmm. It's like food. I will, yeah. al- I will always good. go buy and give food. Always. Like, you know, it's just, you know, if, if you really want to help them out, like give them a full meal and you bought them a few more days. If they're in worst case scenario, like mm-hmm. a really solid, full, well-balanced meal and, and, you know, just get it to go and hand it to them, you know. But uh, you get them a little bit further, I think, than than the, the change in your couple. Look, good for you for giving. I'm not knocking those people. If you just grab your change and give it to them, that yeah. helps. Every little bit does. Yep. That's like, I like to give nourishment. I mean, also being a nutrition coach, I'd rather feed somebody. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, now this is interesting. At, at least they're given to to a cause like this man you know Mm -hmm. there are a lot of rich people that you know maybe they don't but this is solid so at least they're pulling some weight and doing what they can i mean 30 mil ain't ain't no spin the bucket that's Mm -hmm. a good chunk of change so good shit anything else on uh current events tim no sir what you got for i think we're heading into the real life experience section the rle's rle media llc The real life experiences. That's right. The RLEs. We got to start acronyming it at some point just so people start. Oh, man, I love their RLEs today. They were good ones. And thinking aloud on air right now, I think we should put in sound effects in between sections of the show. Dun, dun, dun. Like kind of uh, an an audio cue that, hey, we're heading into this section. Hmm. I like that when we have questions, Stay tuned for that. I love it when we have questions. Yeah. All right, let's get to the questions. Yes. Uh, but no, so uh, let's see. A week ago, we talked about uh, one of my things was more self-love, self-forgiveness, uh, self-condemnation. And uh, kind of riding off that one. So those who hadn't listened, uh, I've, I've talked to Tim off air a lot. He's obviously one of my best friends. We talk about a lot of different things. Not every conversation is a podcast, but almost. And, uh, you know, it was mistakes I, I've made in a, in a prior relationship to where, you know, I, I turned into someone that I'm really not. And I made certain mistakes early to where I thought, like, man, I'm just, I'm going to keep fucking it up. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt this person more than anything else. And I just, I drove that thought in my head and my head. And, you know, months down the road, the dust settles and... And I'm like, wow, that person was it, you know, and uh, really, uh, really might have fucked that one up for life. And I've talked to some people and they're like, look, now might be it. like you've done what you can. Now is the time to be still. And I wanted to bring that up because it's really hard for me to do right now is being still. And I think what what the people I've talked to mean by that is don't do too much. You've done what is in your control, and that's what you can control. You know, don't don't drive it to the point of pushing, you know, whether it's a new job or a person, a loved one, you know, don't push it away. Don't do too much and bombard it. 
And you know, that's a tough thing when no matter what kind of mistake you might have made, it's like, man, I, I just want to make it right, you know, make it better. Uh, but sometimes you got to let it marinate. You know, in this case, I'm, I let some shit marinate for far too long, you know. And uh, I don't know, I just, I wanted to bring it up, get your thoughts on, you know, it, situations where it's like, wow, that could have been a, a detrimental lifelong mistake. It is how, how can someone be still? with that you know maybe someone like maybe they got divorced they were just super pissed right and they they went the divorce route and then down the road it's like wow it's fast on that trigger it's too much too fast like it it shouldn't have gotten to that point mm-hmm. how how if someone wants to i know that's a very steep example but uh, on your your terms of i guess your take on on being still with things when you just want to make it better and fix it that's all you want to do and like to the point of where it consumes thoughts, but then it's like you need to be still. Like, have you have you had a time when it's like, man, I just need to I've done what I can. I need to sit now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's because like I'm really struggling with that. Right, and if you feel at peace for everything that you've put out there, then that's you should be happy with that. That's something that's you giving self-love to yourself. Like yeah. you, you need to make sure that you communicate everything you need to communicate in an effective way and just let, and, and let it sit. Cause you need to have trust in the other person that they will understand what you're, what you said. Mm-hmm. And they have the, like, and everybody digests information and process information on their own timeline. Not everyone thinks and processes information like we do. Sure. And if, if you say things, obviously, cause I'm slow as a motherfucker. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that's, and you can't have an expectation for how someone's going to react to your information. Yeah. But if, if you, all you can do is communicate honestly, communicate fully, and know when, when to, to draw the line and when to stop. And if, if you feel good about things, then that's when you know you're there. Yeah. If you communicated everything. Yeah. That's an interest, interesting way to put it, feeling good about what you already put out. Mm-hmm. Well, it's tough because I feel bad about what I put out before that. You know what I mean? Right. But you feel better because... Uh, to a degree. After now, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I feel better for the fact that I did it and I'm not, and I'm not wondering anymore, what if I don't say this? Mm-hmm. I don't feel better in the fact that it's to the point of where I have to make these decisions. Right. You know? And you need to come that's, to- that's where I get hung up is like, man. I cause it to be at this point where I have to make this type of decision and, and discussion and have this concern. Mm-hmm. But at the yeah. end of the day, you, you can't control how other people react. You can only control about yeah. what, what you come across and how you make people feel. Yeah. So yeah. you can't control how people feel, but you can control your own words and how you feel as you're giving those yeah. words. Lesson learned the hard way, man. Mm-hmm. Don't act on any emotion ever. Well, not ever, but... Don't make, don't make quick decisions on emotion, mm-hmm. unless you're in a life-threatening situation. All right, we're gonna get the oh, well, what if someone's got a gun in your head? I don't know. Shoot that bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and self-awareness is key. Like you need to be self-aware of how you're feeling. Come to gra- kind of grasp with that and be honest with yourself, mm-hmm. and put that into words. Man, 
been having a lot of coming to Jesus, coming to Slager moments. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, uh, I like how you put that, though. Like, as long as you're good with everything you did put out. Yeah, it's, you know, I made the decisions already. Mm-hmm. And wh- whatever type of relationship you have with someone, whether you're dating them, whether you're just friends, you guys should both have the understanding that you're always going to communicate with each other in the most honest way possible. Like you should have that trust in the other person, whether they're a friend or a girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, like heading into any type of relationship, whether you're heading into the stage as a couple, whether you're heading into the stage as friends, like you guys should both have the general understanding of what you two expect out of the relationship. That's where the self-awareness comes in. Mm -hmm. You got to have the trust that, you're going to, whenever you're not getting what you want out of the relationship, that you're going to communicate all of that honestly and effectively. Mm-hmm. So that's what's helped me a lot. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that too, because like it's, uh, you know, my buddy Shelby pointed out to me one day recently. And uh, yeah, it was last week. And he said, you know, one of, and he meant this in obviously the best best ways. He's like, one of your biggest flaws is the fact that uh, he's like, you you genuinely want the people you love around you to do really well. And because of that, you, you also don't want to hurt their feelings. Like you, you're really concerned about people's feelings. And uh, he's like, but that causes you to filter things. When those people you love so much do something that you don't like or it hurts you or it's not um, conducive to to what you're trying to accomplish, he's like, you, you tend to still filter those things out even when they're not good for you or for you both in the long run, you know, if you're in a relationship with somebody. And I was like, dude, you're right. And uh, so it's when I write. Like I, I'm most unfiltered when I write, but... What that can do and what, what has happened to me is it can lead to resentment. So if someone's like, ah, and it wasn't that big a deal, it kind of pissed me off, but I'll let it go. I mean, come from someone who learns lessons all the hardest of ways, don't because you're only going to hurt each other in the long run. Short yeah. term, you might cover it up well and be fine. Yeah, and ask yourself why it piss you off. Yeah. And most likely the answer is they did something that wasn't aligning with what you expected out of the relationship. And you know what? They might have, they might not have even known they did it. Right. Here's the thing. Like, no and that's one, where the trust comes in for yeah. you to let them know. It's like, fuck, dude. I, you know, if I'm listening to this right now, I wish I had this three months ago. But, you know, don't assume that someone's going to know what you're thinking. Right. It's communication. And And this is the the pot calling the kettle black, but like no one knows what you're thinking except for you. Mm-hmm. So no man. Yeah. I, I knew you'd have some good perspective on that. Um, interesting way you put it too. So appreciate your feedback yeah. on that, but you know, we're all about being honest with everyone and ourselves. So that's currently a huge struggle of mine. Yeah, I think in my experience with relationship, I think the two most important keys for make or break relationship are self awareness and communication. Mm. I think those are, you gotta know what you want, but you also gotta know when to communicate with the other person when you're not getting what you want. Yeah, do it in an effective way. 
So yeah, I mean, especially I mean, you got a long distance relationship. Mm-hmm. So, we 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 test that every day. Yeah, we put that into practice every day. But you're like, man, it's helped us. You tell me it couldn't be couldn't be better right now. Right. So it's that's admirable, man. That, that's that. that's cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But what you got for real life? You got some. Uh, ducks putting the fear of God in you? <laughs> or no, they were geese. Sorry. No, so the overlaying theme from my real life Three experience. Geese of Orion tar. <laughs> real life experience that I figured out is show them first and tell them after. Because a, a lot of times in my line of work and sales, people are always like, oh, that's what every sales rep tells me. Every person tells me, oh, they're the best. But if you truly show them how you're better, don't just tell them words. Show them how you're better. Mm-hmm. They're they're gonna be more likely to com- convince. You're convinced them to your side. And when I mean show them, you can do that in a variety of different ways. You can show them how other customers have been successful. Uh, you can show them videos of your production process of how your products are made better. Uh, so a customer I've been working on had a, been experienced like cleanliness issues. And when they first told me this, when, when a customer tells me they have a problem with something and I know that I have the solution to solve it, it's so easy for me to just go into my spiel as soon as, as, soon as they tell me. <laughs> right. And my first meeting with a customer, it's always a needs analysis. The goal is for not to me to even say a word about my company. I, I want to ask you questions that get you talking about your current situation, problems you're facing, areas of improvement, and I just sit back, I listen, and I write it down. I write mm-hmm. everything down. And then when they're done, when they've got everything out, I've asked all the questions. They're like, "Hey, like, so so, what do you got?" I was like, "I have put the perfect the perfect solution for this. I hear what you're saying. Let's find another time where I can come back in here and devote all the time and energy of the meeting to showing you how us together can work together and provide you a better experience. Hmm. I don't want to just go on everything right now. I want to hear. I want to get your information." And I want to take that information and I want to create a personalized program all for you. And I want to show you how we are going to help you as a specific customer be better. I don't want to just say my spiel right now. I don't want to just, it's, it's good to say, this is what I always say. I said, I hear what you're saying. I understand. I understand these problems. I've dealt with these problems as a company before. My company has solved these problems. And we have the perf- perfect solution for you. Let's find a time for so I can go over this and show you everything. Yeah. And it takes patience to do that because you want to go into everything, but you don't want to overwhelm them. You want to make your time with someone. You want to maximize that time with someone. That's why I always say, hey, let me go work up a proposal for you and give you everything that you're talking about right here. And in the next meeting, the start of the meeting, I list out everything they said from last meeting. So, hey, this is what you said last meeting. This problem, this problem, this problem, this is how you'd improve it. Is this still correct? They say yes. Then I go into everything. So show them first and tell them after. Well, I feel like it's it's a lot easier for most decision makers to accept the invitation of, hey, you know what? Like, I'm I'm getting everything you're saying. If if I'm hearing you right, you have this problem with your cleanliness. Uh, your your workers are unhappy because of comfortab- comfortability. Oh comfortability issues with with x uh and thus they don't perform for you resulting in y mm-hmm. yeah yeah all right hey can we can i come back next week and just show you some of what we have and just see if you like it mm-hmm. see if your workers like it and just show you a difference 
Yeah. It's a lot easier for decision makers, or however, however you word it. Mm-hmm. A lot easier for decision makers to agree just to look at something. You didn't put a contract in front of their face. You didn't go on a pricing tangent or how you're the best. You just ask to show them something. Mm-hmm. Looking at something is free. Yeah. Like Jimmy John's, you get free smells. Mm-hmm. You know, you can always look at stuff. We can go in and go look at Maseratis till we're blue in the face. We're not obligated to buy them. Same thing. Yeah. So I like that. No, that's good that you, you've recognized to... I need to really show you first. Let me mm-hmm. show you what we got. And that will make the sell that much easier. Yeah. When you make the ask, it's like, ah, that, was, that was almost kind of easy. Yeah. And not every time, but there's probably those two. It's like, huh. Mm-hmm. I just really had to show up to work today. All right. Another day, deal done. Yeah. Exactly. So, good shit. It's easy to just go straight into why you're the best. Yeah. Show the talk, talk about yourself. But I think it's important people skip the step of understanding what the what the customer is going through and get inside their head and then show them that you understood what they're saying mm-hmm. like repeat back to them what they said so yeah, yeah i just thought i'd share that but no, i like that that's that's good show first so what do you got for book talk man oh man so i uh still working through much of my books uh, I got a couple quick ones from Small Stuff. Uh, develop your own helping rituals. So this one was pretty uh, short and sweet to the point. And he talked about if you want your life to stand for peace and kindness, it's helpful to do kind, peaceful things. So, for example, picking up trash. Uh, maybe you saw someone litter. You pick up trash. Visiting the elderly. Even just holding the door for people. Like you're just doing the small, kind, peaceful things. Mm-hmm. I mean... We've talked about just look at a stranger and, and smile and say hello in the grocery store. You, you, owe, you owe them nothing. You, you don't know anything about them, but like just doing that will change you and their day. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes not a lot of effort either. No, it does. And you know, it's awkward until it becomes routine. You know, I, I try to at least you know, look people in the eye and, and I can gauge. Sometimes they'll just stare you blank in the face, but they'll a soft smile and a quick, hey. Or like, hey, how you doing? Just quick, even if they don't respond. Mm-hmm. You showed them kindness and gentleness. Yeah. Uh, the other one, uh, every day, tell at least one person something you like, admire, or appreciate about them. Mm. And uh, so, you know, we oftentimes like, oh, I don't need to tell them that. They already know that. They know I love them. They know they do a good job cleaning the house. They know they do a great job at putting the dishes away. Or folding laundry. Maybe. But how much extra effort is it? Hey. Hey, thanks for folding laundry today, babe. Hey, thanks for unloading the dishwasher today. Really appreciate that. You know, a a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people, you know, and this can tie into five love languages. You know, one of those is words of affection. I was literally just thinking about that. You know, to where it's like, hey. Hey, I really appreciate you making the bed this morning Mm -hmm. before you left for work. Like, that was, was, looked really nice. Small stuff. Hey, did you vacuum? Appreciate that. Yeah. You know, just, just little things uh, or things that you admire about them. Mm-hmm. Like, or, or, you know, not just, hey, you did this for me. Thanks. But you appreciate that. Uh, you appreciate what they give to the homeless people. You appreciate how they just let you vent to them. Like, hey, man, I just appreciate you letting me talk. Stuff like that. 
so the little things that we take for granted from from our friends, our family, our loved ones, whatever it may be. Um, you know, again, another another thing I wish I would have read a while back, but uh, something, Dale, something we go back to is just gratitude, man. Yeah, Dale Carnegie, just make people feel important. Little bits of gratitude, yeah, man. And uh, I was going through those notes uh, earlier today too, actually, which is funny. Enough. Carnegie notes. Yeah. Oh, they're how to win friends, man. Um, I need to read those every day. Because honestly, I was, I was just like, man, I I need help. If I were to read anything every day, it'd be that I need to. Yeah. So uh, I've been trying to seek out all the help. Uh, but no, that that's my book talk. Um, so it's just you know small things where it might be awkward at first until you get used to it, or just you know go a little above and beyond. Don't make the stupid mistake of not, because that's all it is—a stupid mistake. Mm-hmm. So, what you got for book talk? Yeah, so I was re- it's more of magazine talk because I was reading. Uh, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Nah, nah, nah. we're breaking the, breaking know, the rules Look, now. It's a segment. Do we need to add a magazine segment? God bless. No, nah, this one will be worth it. I'm telling you. <laughs> so the tar- title <laughs> I, of the I article. I trust you, Tim. Title of the article is controversial. It says, "Learn from people, not classes." <gasps> yeah. And don't get me wrong, classes are good for standardized learning, certified professors, pooled questions from the audience, whatever. And you need, you do need class learning. Like, it, it's there. But if someone were to ask me, what do you value more, class learning or one-on-one learning? I'd say one-on-one learning. And, let me, and I want to tell you why. And I'm going to give you a specific example of how I applied this back in college. So in class, obviously, you have the, the lecturer giving the lecture teaching things the, the lesson plan that they created the information that they want to give you and then you have the class asking questions what's important to the class but i don't think i don't think you're going to get the same effect learning in class as you do in person because literally we were talking about this with mcknight tonight and i said it with mcknight it's the lesson i got from this is you what you get like the quality of knowledge that you get out of a one-on-one session from learning someone from someone is solely dependent on your ability to ask good questions Mm. like true when you're one-on-one you can ask all the questions you want and you don't have to split time with all the people in your class who are also asking questions you can like the person is giving you the knowledge but you control the dialogue based on the questions you ask yeah and however whatever quality of learning you want to you want to be on because that person's got all the knowledge you, you need to know because you're asking the questions so i thought that was interesting well, I, I like that because even, even let's go like a little further than that. You know, how many people don't ask a question because they think it'll get judged? Yeah, that too. And, and, yeah. and I'm going to say most, most professors, teachers, whatever. Uh, you know, I did this like you. I did this in high school. I did this in college. It's why I was close with professors, not because I kissed ass, because I needed to help, get help, and I went for them for extra help. And uh, it's just like, yeah, like you said, you have their one-on-one undivided attention. You can ask them anything and everything. It all goes. And it's like, hey, got to be honest, I really kind of got lost here. I don't want to slow you down, but, you know, I, I got lost here, and I know it's it's something easy. I, I've done that where I'm like, hey, I know this isn't, like, crazy hard. I, I think I'm overthinking it. What am I missing here? Mm-hmm. Like, Or what am I overthinking? Yeah. Just stuff like that to where it's like, you know, you might feel judged in a classroom setting or maybe you're like, ah, I don't want to slow it down for this. Like, I'll ask about this later. I, I get the rest. This is simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, 
to your point, just one-on-one. I'd agree. I, I would go one-on-one versus classroom any day of the week. Yeah. And I saw this with personal training. So I rather personal train one-on-one mm-hmm. than train a, a group uh, exercise. Uh, but look, there's great benefit to group exercise too. You know, you get a class, you're motivated by other people, you got music, mm-hmm. you got someone just jazzing you up. One someone on. may ask a question that you may not have thought of yourself. You that get, too. You get more pulled questions. That you too. You have a m- more creativity for the questions. Also, the thing about one-on-one training is I can devote all my time and energy and watch every move they're making, how they're making it, just for that one person. Yeah. Group training, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So you're going to lose a little quality for the sake of quantity. Yep. Which is going to happen with anything. But, no, I agree with you. I, I like... 1v1 the best mm-hmm. over classroom setting. And I want to get to my, my quick story of how I applied this. So back in school, I took a sales class. Doc McQuiz in sales class. He brought speakers in all the time to, t- to talk to the class. He brought One day he brought in Chip Helm, who is the national sales manager at Cook Medical, which is a medical device company out of Bloomington. Mm-hmm. He came in. He spoke with the class for 45 minutes. Great, great knowledge, but he walked away. I mean, no, he, he the class ended. He... The speech was done, and I, and I was thinking, I was like, I really could have got so much more out of that, but we, he only had a limited amount of time. He mm-hmm. could only he only scratched the surface, and I want people to try this next time you have someone that comes in and, and talks to your class. I I emailed him as soon as the class got over. I'm like, hey, do you have like an hour of time where you and I could just jump on the phone, and I got like my own questions to ask you, because I wanted to ask you in class, but I also didn't want to take away from what you were saying and take away other people's time, mm-hmm. and he was all for it. So next time someone comes in and talks to class, try to, and you really want to learn more and learn like the deep stuff that you want to know and have your own questions for, reach out to them and, and schedule more time. They will appreciate that. They will love that. And it will be more than down to me, just I like love, Chip was. I love so. that. And if you're going to ask for a business card, make sure you use it. Mm-hmm. It's one thing I've noticed. I remember in school there were times I asked for business cards and did nothing with it. Ah, so like on, shame on you, baby. I know. Come on now. Look, man, I do it. I make a bunch of dumb decisions, all right? It's all good. You learn from them. The hardest ways. <laughs> Be yeah. less like me, kids. Be less like me. Um, no, that's, that's, that's important, though. Yeah, because how many times has it happened where it's like, man, he was a cool cat. I just want to sit down and hang with him. You can do that. Mm-hmm. No rule says you can't. Yes, sir. So, good, good story. I like that, that final anecdote. Yeah. Good episode, too. You got anything else? No, man, I think I'm good to wrap this up. A little little drained. This is a good one, though. Yes, sir. It's going to go out Tuesday morning. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoy this on your work day. And uh, stay tuned for our episode on Thursday. We got Bob Vito. Spent a lot of time in the medical device field. He was a CFO for a piano company. He was the CEO of a landscape tool company. He's doing some awesome things with mental health right now in Fort Wayne with the Ambassador Capital He's basically the boss of life. Yeah. Minus God. But he's awesome. Great guy. Interview on Thursday. You will not want to miss it. If you get a chance, if you made it to this part of our episode, thank you for listening to the whole thing. Or if you listened to the last part, whatever. Please leave us a review on iTunes. We'll give you a free laptop sticker once you tell us you do so. We've said it many times before. We've, we cannot get better unless we hear Tim, from how you. does one go about leaving a five-star review and rating on iTunes? And how long does it take me? Follow the link in our... Instagram bio, that's two taps at your phone. Okay. Scroll down, press leave a review, click five stars, and write write a text message to us. 
One sentence text message. 30 seconds is all it takes. You 30 got, seconds you is got all 30 it takes? Se- you got 30 seconds. That's all it takes. Wow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Leave right. it. People break an hour for lunch. Just saying. <laughs> all right, everybody. Peace. Peace. <laughs>